everyone. My name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. podcast where we talk about fan fiction. On a usual episode, each of us brings one work of fan fiction to discuss book club style. But this episode is a little bit different because we are hearkening back to a panel that we did live at Geek Girl Con in Seattle. We had such a good time preparing this. We had a really good time presenting it. We ended up deciding not to record it at the time because the AV stuff was just going to be complicated and we wanted to be able to focus on just like delivering it in a fun way to the people who were there. But we thought it was good. Other people also (laughs) said it was good. (laughs) Thank you. If you came up to us afterwards and you said that was good because that meant a lot to us. Yes, we love you very much. Thank you so much. (laughs) Deeply, truly. I was so nervous. (laughs) So it was really nice that people had a good time, but we thought it would be nice to kind of return to our notes, which we spent a lot of time on. We have like a six page outline of notes and share some of our thoughts on genre and subgenre and fan fiction with you all the ficklets in a more relaxed setting perhaps in this episode mini-sode situation uh, where we can go through it and also have a little bit more fun do some goofs hang out as friends on our podcast um, if you are a longtime listener of FitClick, or even a semi-regular listener, or you've listened to maybe a handful of episodes before, you, m- you might know some things about our pod. In case you don't, um, as Nick said, we usually talk about three works of fanfiction per episode. Today we aren't. Today is a little bit more of sort of an academic style argument that we are presenting <laughs> to you all regarding genre and subgenre in fanfiction, our thoughts on this that we have sort of coalesced and compiled from the last few years of doing this podcast and a little bit of our observations through a little bit of the lens of like our own academic backing. It's not super academic, but it's presented a little bit more academically than our usual episodes (laughs) are. It was also generated with the energy of a late night group project. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, I I have missed that, actually, from being in school. (laughs) There's a lot of things I don't miss about school, but I do miss that sort of frenetic energy where you just, like, feel like your ideas are really, like, getting going. And you're like, oh, my God, I see my argument. It's coming to me. We Um, went on this call for six hours. I'm, like, laughing (laughs) (laughs) semi-hysterically while trying to, like, bring in this piece of critical theory whose, like, author's name is eluding me, and it doesn't even stay in the outline. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The points in college in which I would just print out the outline that I had, cut it up into pieces and rearrange it. (laughs) (laughs) When Geek Girl Con originally reached out to us and said, hey, do you want a panel? We asked what kinds of things they thought um, might make for an interesting panel. And we were given a lot of good thoughts to work off of, but also a lot of free range to do what we wanted. And we settled on the title genre and subgenre in fanfiction, in part because Again, if you've listened to the pod for any length of time, you will know that pretty often we are trying to provide context for fix that we assume most listeners haven't read. Um, and so we're trying to strike that balance between, okay, what is enough information to keep this conversation interesting and engaging and comprehensible, assuming that you're not familiar with the fic or maybe not even familiar with the fandom, the pairing, etc., Um, And you may or may not have noticed that a lot of times when we are pitching our fix to you all, we end up describing things in terms of genre and subgenre and tropes a fair amount. Um, It provides a really good reference point for us and sort of a framework for our discussions. And so we figured that if we'd been doing this for about four years, that we have a lot of thoughts about how those things function within both published literature and also fic. So to give y'all a brief overview of what we're going to be talking about in this episode, this is a much more formal mini-sode than most things that we're doing. So we have a structure and our main kind of topics that we're going to be covering are, we'll start with the definitions of genre and subgenre. So what are we actually talking about? We're defining our terms. Do not worry, ficlets. We're trying to be specific. And we'll delve a little bit into why that's important for our purposes and also for fandom as a whole. We'll talk about genre's position in fic, genre and fic versus published literature some trends we see. Let's talk about genre fusions and why fic particularly lends itself well to some of these melding and overlapping experiences of genre. 
then we will be pitching um, our patented, trademarked, copyrighted fit click idea of fan fiction as its own distinct genre. Uh, no one else has ever said this before. I'm kidding. Clearly, <laughs> this has been talked about quite a lot, but we tried to distill down some of the components of quote unquote fic genre that we see coming up um, and pitch those to you. And at the end, we're not going to be taking questions, actually, because this is not a live panel. <laughs> we'll do a conclusion and it'll be beautiful. We'll share our final thoughts. <laughs> if you have questions, you can ask them to us uh, via some of our channels that we'll talk about in the outro, as we always do. All right. So to kick us off today, like Nick mentioned, uh, we need to define some of the terms that we're going to be using most heavily throughout this discussion. So first up, we've got genre and defined by us today and also Google. Um, genre is really a way to classify and organize literature into groups with similar characteristics. This obviously isn't just for literature. You have genres within television, movies, all kinds of stuff. Um, and in fan fiction too, question mark, maybe that's what we're going to be discussing here today. Um, below genre, we have subgenre. So this is sort of narrowing in within categories. And then we also have the question of like the difference between subgenre, genre, and tropes. Um, a lot of these honestly have some overlap or can shift meaning depending on context or the spaces that you're using them in, or honestly, even just like sort of the time period in which you're like referencing one of these. So for example, enemies to lovers is something that kind of started off as a trope, but has really grown into a subgenre of its own within the romance industry. Um, but something like bed sharing really remains a trope like that has not yet blossomed into a subgenre. <laughs> you're not going to walk into like the romance section at like a bookstore or a library and like see bed sharing as like an end cap maybe you actually maybe you would <laughs> as an you end don't know cap, maybe here's here's an example suggestion for someone who works <laughs> at a library or a bookstore um, so when we're talking about all three of these things today we're sort of looking at it as genre is the overarching umbrella subgenre narrows in from there and then tropes are sort of the building blocks that are defining both of these things you might be asking why is any of this important and why am i listening to you today this is a great question. You might be listening to us just because you like us, but this is important because genre gives us a common language as readers or watchers, if we're talking about other forms of media, to discuss the stories we're taking in and what they do or don't have in common with one another. It gives us a baseline understanding for what a story is and what it does and what we as readers or enjoyers are expecting when we pick up this book or this piece of fiction. Mm -hmm. And as uh, hard workers and legends in the fan fiction space ourselves. A lot of what we're going to talk about, and also just specifically with the topic of this mini-sode, is going to be how these things interact with fan fiction. So why do we care about genre, subgenre? Because these are often used in like marketing when we're talking about fic, which theoretically people are not selling. Is that true in practice? It depends, <laughs> I think, on the person and the fandom and the space you're in. But in most cases, fan fiction is created for free and accessed for free by people on the internet. So as you may know on this podcast, we mostly are operating off of AO3. We did a fic from fanfiction.net one time. That was exciting. We did a little, we've done a, maybe two, at least one fic off of Twitter, like social media fic. I think one fic off Twitter, some fan vids. Yeah, we branch out a little, but we are, we are AO3 people at heart in terms of where we tend to read and access stories from and share them from. And AO3 specifically, the way that it's structured, as you're probably familiar, it encourages writers to emphasize and plan around tropes, because that's how the work is initially received by readers. So imagine you're scrolling through AO3 and you want to read a story, and you have an idea of what you want. You want a particular main character, you want that main character maybe to experience something emotionally difficult and then be supported by a dear friend. So you're going on AO3, you click like character, Pepino spaghetti, <laughs> tags, emotional hurt comfort, <laughs> mm -hmm. and then maybe like angst with a happy ending. Great, solid. I could argue that angst with a happy ending definitely like is a subgenre in fan fiction, but it depends on the fandom and I think how the author is interpreting it. Regardless, knowing what you're looking for and knowing the names for some of these tropes and subgenres or even genres makes it really useful because then you can actually find what you're looking for. 
And the way that authors are presenting stories is shifting. So I would make the argument that book marketing is becoming more like fic sharing and fic sharing is becoming more like book marketing. They're weirdly starting to meet in the middle. There's obviously a ton of overlap. Many, many mainstream authors are coming forward about their fan fiction, whether it's putting their AO3 directly in their like Twitter bio, like go nuts, everyone. I'm writing fic in this fandom. Or they just say, you know, yeah, like I cut my teeth on fan fiction, da da da. Most people are not siloed in just one world or the other anymore. We'll talk more about that later, but being able to use the language of genre and subgenre is going to make things a little bit easier because what you get up front from the author, from the book, from the fic that you're trying to read often is using this language. One more piece of that too is not only do AO3 search capabilities allow you to find that perfect, emotional, cathartic Pepino spaghetti fic, but they also help you not click on stuff that you're not going to enjoy. So if it's also tagged like noir detective mystery and major character death and sad ending, and you're here for Pepino feeling better by the end, you're probably not going to click on that story. Even if it's not tagged with sad ending, but you're getting some of the hallmarks of like, uh-oh, something really bad is going down here. If you are savvy in the language of genre and subgenre and trope, you will know not to put yourself through that. Otherwise, you will be sobbing over Pepino spaghetti at three in the morning. That sounds really specific. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nick, do you have any experiences you'd like to share? <laughs> yeah, I feel like if I try to say no, it's going to sound even more suspicious. <laughs> well, I'm wondering, Nick, if you have already done what yeah. I did as you were speaking, which is I did go to Pepino Spaghetti as a character tag, <laughs> and I did uh -huh. search other tags to include Hurt slash Comfort and Angst with a Happy Ending. There are nine works. Um, and wow. so, you know, if I'm looking at... Are any of them noir detective major character death? <gasps> um, well, I'm seeing uh, body horror and then also oh. more body horror. Oh. And then um, and then the third one is also body horror. Hold on. Okay. Is there a single <laughs> one here that isn't body horror? Um, well, this one says mild blood. Okay. Mild I mean, blood. I think, I think body great horror is big in the Pepino Spaghetti fan community. Yeah. Um, isn't Pizza Tower a horror game? We think so. I think I don't remember if this stayed in the episode or not, but when I was Googling... <laughs> some of it did. <laughs> um, well, I know that some of the Pepino stayed in. I don't know if my Googling stayed in, but... Um, oh, true. I think it said it was like originally conceived of as a horror game, but I didn't really get that far. Uh, I'm not seeing noir. No, but I am seeing men crying as a tag within what I've already searched. So like that could mm -hmm. be a thing that people are into. Anyway, this is not... So you're listening to Trope Savvy Read. <laughs> Looking for indications of what genre or subgenre these stories might be in based on the information presented by authors on AO3 via the tagging system. Thank you so much for your service as an example. Thank you so much for bringing us back to the panel. I was afraid I had strayed too far and didn't know how to get myself No, it was back. perfect. It was great. <laughs> Live demonstration. Um, see, this is this is the kind of good good work that we can't really do in the middle of a panel, not the least because I think the entire crowd would be like, why the hell are you talking to us about Pepino spaghetti? But there would also probably be something the crowd who's like really knowledgeable about pizza tower and then we'd look like little clowns that's so true and yeah no one can <laughs> tell they us just have to yell alone while listening to this they can't yell at <laughs> yeah. us in person exactly even with the three of us and presumably many of you listening having fluency around again searching through tropes and sort of knowing what you're looking for we do just want to give the caveat in general that with this presentation that a lot of the language around this and the language that we're using is constantly developing and changing. This is an imperfect science. Um, we have pitched ourselves as academic scholars and as professionals, and I do feel like we have earned those titles, but we are academic... <laughs> as academic scholars. Yeah, well, academic scholars within genre and subgenre and fanfiction. Oh, okay. Yeah, totally. Or at least... Also just in general. Oh, okay. No, like none of us are at an academic institution at this point in time. Um... I think we can be scholars in our hearts, um, but we are scholars who, like, if you're reading our research paper, it has, like, a little asterisk somewhere that says that, like, this might be out of date soon or that, you know, we're still working on it. It's like, mm, we feel really good about our thesis, but putting it into practice is, like, it's still a little bit rusty. We're working it out. Yeah. I, like, put the letters of my master's degree next to my name, but it has an asterisk in the bottom. It's like, that has nothing to do with the topic of this <laughs> at all. <laughs> exactly. Ficklets, we would, uh, for a moment, like to invite you all into our communal mind palace, if you will. Um, <laughs> yeah, come on over. And our mind palace, I don't remember what Sherlock's was, and it doesn't really matter, because um, the Ficklet Coast's communal mind palace, at least for the purpose of this mini-sode, is a communal bookstore. 
So as we were creating this presentation and figuring out sort of how to frame these topics and these things that we were thinking about, we found it helpful to imagine the fic landscape as a bookstore. So if you think of a traditional bookstore and you walk in, you're going to see a lot of different genres. And some of them might be a little bit more stacked than others, but for the most part, you'll probably see a somewhat equal amount of things like romance or mystery or nonfiction, etc. Unless you're going to The Ripped Bodice in Culver City, which is just purely a romance bookstore. But at least in that bookstore, you know what you're getting into. You know that you're walking into a kind of one genre with many subgenres within its store. Fic is nothing like a traditional bookstore. Um, in our imaginary Mind Palace bookstore that is just fanfiction as a whole, like 90% of it is going to be romance. The vast, vast majority is going to be romance. And then, as we've said, sort of subgenres and tropes that sort of filter in underneath it. Um, and the way that you are looking for the media within this theoretical bookstore versus an actual bookstore is going to be pretty different. If you step further into the Mind Palace, if you're exploring and you've picked up a couple books slash fics that you think are cool, and then you go to the front, you're like, oh my god, the three fake click hosts, these are my booksellers. We are. We're working at the front. Um, and that is because on the pod, again, as I sort of said at the beginning, often we are trying to sell all of you on fics. I think we do a good job of it. Please don't tell us if you disagree. Um <laughs> I don't think people would still be listening to the pod if we were not doing a good job of pitching people on fix if they're not already invested in the ship slash fandom. We could have taken the easy way out. We could have been like a mono fandom pod and then just like had a devoted listenership of people who are already on board with us. But we've done the hard work of bringing you niche things like Pepino spaghetti or anthropomorphic chess pieces and then being like, I promise you will care about what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So with our position, again, as booksellers, we are trying to understand what a story is about and what makes it interesting and how we can make that accessible to people who are not us, who have not read the fan fiction, who are not existing in these same fandom spaces. Um, and this does sort of tangentially feel like it is representative of wider fandom rec culture. I think one of the things that we all love so much about fan fiction is the feeling of delighting in it with a friend. Um, we talked last episode about a fic that Brenna and I will sometimes text each other like, hey, I'm doing a reread of this fic that you wrecked me and I'm feeling deeply unwell, sick to my stomach, wailing and screaming and crying, etc. Because it's fun to read fanfiction on your own, but it's even more fun to be able to be in the DMs with a friend sort of having parallel experiences or reading something and going, I know my friend would love this or having someone on Twitter or in a Discord say, hey, I'm looking for xyz kind of a fic do people have recommendations and then immediately getting a flood of yes i loved this mm -hmm. um it really is one of the joys of fandom and of fic culture and we kind of feel like on the pod we are a small subset of that we are with every episode pitching you on fics that often have come to us via people doing their own recommendations or via rec lists that we find or collections on ao3 and so that is also fun for us in our role as booksellers so to continue building off our metaphor here of the virtual bookstore mind palace that we're all in together, when you go into a bookstore, oftentimes if you're just browsing and you're not sort of going in for something specific, you might start with a genre that you already really like. Um, maybe you'll just look at everything in the store and that's awesome. I like doing that too until I get overwhelmed. Um, but oftentimes I'm going to find myself heading towards one or two genres that I really tend to like. However, if I'm looking for something super specific within that genre, it can sometimes be a little bit hard to find at a bookstore or a library. So for example, I've been into mysteries a lot lately, and let's say I went over to mystery and I was trying to find a mystery that was like set in Iceland and had like a plucky young detective and also the body was found near a volcano. That might be pretty hard to do just based off looking at the books on the shelves. Um, at most independent bookstores and sometimes libraries, you will see little note cards from the booksellers um, with recommendations. But if a bookseller has not recommended that particular book, I'm I'm a little out of luck. Uh, so this is often where you're going to find yourself either going up to a bookseller, librarian, Google, your friends, your favorite podcast that recommends books, whatever. Versus, as sort of we've been talking about, AO3 really allows you to sort of type in those things and narrow it down uh, the stories that sort of pertain to the specific subgenre or trope that you're already looking for. Um, basically, what we're getting to here is that subgenre and tropes both are plentiful within literature and fan fiction, but the way that we utilize them and the way that we search for them manifest very differently. So continuing in our bookstore, um, 
when you transition this bookstore from selling published fiction to selling fan fiction, um, which obviously you're not really selling. So let's just imagine it as sort of a library of fan fiction, which basically is AO3. Build AO3 into a physical space that you can stand in and imagine walking into it. When you do I'm just so, imagining like all out brawls in the stacks. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, everyone's very well behaved in the AO3 library and the librarian going around shushing them. <laughs> <laughs> sit quietly at your nice little desk with a cute lamp and read your fan fiction <laughs> don't start fights i see someone trying to check out a Raylo book and i stick my foot out to trip them in between the stacks where like <laughs> oh, no, Rena can't Reed. see. you're part of the problem yeah, and Reed i will like, be you're one of my fellow librarians mm-hmm. <laughs> are you just causing problems as a librarian maybe right? like we're the, allegedly the employees here <laughs> i'm gonna get yeah. fired from my job for being against Raylo. <laughs> what a mess I'm not going to fire you just to get it written up for tripping customers. Okay, that's fine. Or patrons. Sorry, they're not paying necessarily here. I'll take the (laughs) write-up. Regardless of Reed's anti-Raylo behavior in the stacks, when you walk into this space, you're probably not going to be greeted with the same sort of array of works. And what you are going to be greeted with is a shit ton of romance. So we wanted to sort of go over some of the genres that are most prevalent within fanfiction. So when it comes to romance, our modern understanding of fan fiction really did originate with the Spurk, Spock, Kirk shippers of old. I say of old. They're really not that old. Um, I, I don't know why I think of this as like ancient history. It was really recent, <laughs> actually. <laughs> Thank you to all of them <laughs> who are probably still around. Um, we love you. <laughs> Thank you for your contributions. Like chaos um, shippers. The KS or as shippers, we call them, yes. the Spurksters. The Spurksters. On this podcast, that's what we say, even though we know that that's not historically accurate. Um, today, we are not out here to discuss things like whether Shakespeare's historical plays are RPF. Um, if you want to debate pieces of literature being fan fiction, that can be another mini-sode that probably we're not going to do. Have fun with yourselves. Um, we here are today to talk about the understanding of fan fiction that we currently have, the stuff that you're going to find on sites like fanfiction.net, AO3, maybe Wattpad, LiveJournal, all of these good places, which, as I've mentioned before, is really kicking things off with that Star Trek shipping. Huge shout out to the Spurksters. So when we're discussing fan fiction, even fan fiction that plays in other genres, uh, fan fiction as a whole, as we currently know it, originates from this one point. Because of romance being sort of the foundational genre of fan fiction, this means that romance tropes often end up being a shorthand for plot and emotional arcs. So if you see something, again, like enemies to lovers, you have an idea of what's going to be happening between those two characters and some kind of defining moments in the characters like relationship with each other that are coming just from seeing sort of that subgenre slash trope label on there. Another pretty prevalent genre that we'll see is literary fiction can i get some literary fiction horns editing read pew 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 (laughs) oh present read thank you so much (laughs) i'll take it um yeah i love literary fiction and i know it can be kind of hard to pin down so we're gonna give uh, an attempt at a definition here Literary fiction generally describes stories that are character-driven, they prioritize character over plot, they are concerned with the human condition, and they convey their themes, which are often pretty kind of high-level overarching themes through formal choices. So that is how you would describe it, often like in a book. In fanfiction, literary style and calling something litfic often does come down to formal choices, scope of story, prose. Fan fiction inherently already tends to be really character-driven, so you'll see a real prevalence of the character study tag. Sometimes character studies are literary. Sometimes they're not so much. So it's a little bit of a tricky one to pin down exactly. One story that comes to mind that we spoke about very recently, it was actually last, last episode, I think, is a temporary fix by AO3 user Bosgood for The Untamed. So that one is very character-driven. We don't delve super deep into the mechanisms of plot or backstory so much. We're way more interested in how they're impacting our characters in the present day. It is pretty prose-focused. I think it was very beautifully and lyrically written. And it has a pretty open ending. That's really common in literary fiction, too. So you'll see that in fanfic as well. You'll also see just general contemporary fiction. I think that's where we get a lot of like our quite humorous fics. Uh, we see contemporary fiction kind of melding with romance sometimes, especially in stories 
about families. Um, so all of that tends to show up quite a lot in fic. We also do see other genres. So I don't want you to walk into our library, see all the romance and be like, but this isn't what I'm writing. Where's my representation? Fit click. We see you. We respect and love you. Um, you often do see quote unquote genre fiction, um, especially sci-fi, fantasy, magical realism, action adventure sprinkled in as tropes or backdrop. We'll get into this a little bit more specifically when we get into genre fusions, but we see these genres getting broken down into their tropes. So if somebody wants to write a fic and that fic in particular has elements of action adventure, it may also have elements of other genres. It's not going to be confined to the beats and the common elements that you would see in an action adventure movie, for example. Other examples we might see are kind of our world, our modern world, but with a twist. So like a modern with magic AU. Uh, you could see a soul bond showing up. Or like a spy or assassin AU as a vehicle for the trope of team as family, as opposed to being super, super married to the particular trope that we're seeing. The popularity of these subgenres varies a lot by canon, and that's a big area where fandom-specific subgenres and tropes come into play. So I would say especially in fandoms where you're primarily seeing the canon is in space, for example, let's say Star Trek Strange New Worlds that also had a musical episode I learned at Geek Girl Con. <laughs> Thank you so much to that panel. They showed me so many things. I don't know that much about Star Trek, if I'm honest. It was still delightful, though. Oh, it was wonderful. Um, but you then see a lot of Star Trek fic has sci-fi elements, not necessarily because every single story is deeply married to sci-fi fantasy genre specifications, but because the canon setting gives us that and we have a lot of elements to pull from from the canon. And we might see then a fusion with some other genre and something else is happening, but it might still be shelved in sci-fi, technically even if it doesn't look like a sci-fi quote-unquote traditional version of that story that you might pick up at a bookstore. And all of this is also assuming that traditional marketing and books and traditionally published novels and indie novels are not already doing a lot of this genre breaking, but we we don't have time to get into all of that, folks. <laughs> We're sticking. We have so many potential spin-off panels and minisodes, um, but this one I think we stick to our outline. <laughs> yeah, we we're sticking to the basics. Yeah. Yeah, so I think as Nick was saying, genre is typically how books are marketed and sold, but as you hopefully agree with us from what we've been saying, fic doesn't really have to adhere to those same principles, um, which leads us into our next sort of big section, genre fusions. Woo! Yeah, hell yeah to genre fusions. Fusion! Let's go! <laughs> In this theory, hypothesis, etc. that we have been pitching you, um... One of the sort of central points of it is that we think fic lends itself super well to an overlap of genre in a pretty unique way, which leads us to this sort of area of genre fusion. Fic tends to be this kind of unregulated playground where authors can mash various parts of genre and subgenre and tropes together with no rules because it is not made to be marketed and sold. Again, I guess like a slight asterisk depending on fandom and author, but you know what I mean. For the most part, people are not out here writing fanfiction with the goal of like, this is my career, and it has to be a highly marketable work, and it has to appeal to a wide audience. The, like, true heart of fanfiction is writing a little story about your Blorbos because you want to, and hoping that maybe other people also want to read the same story about your Blorbos, and more often than not, it turns out that people do. When you were saying mashing things together, I was imagining, like, genres and tropes and stuff as little miniature potatoes <laughs> that you boiled and then you, like, mashed them <laughs> up together. Oh. I love mashed potatoes, but I don't know if I love that image, to be honest. Oh. <laughs> a little yucky, but that's okay. That is okay. A little bit of found family. Squish, 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 squish. <laughs> <laughs> Within this sort of, again, unregulated playground that fic exists in comes a lot of, I think, implicit understandings, especially from the relationship between the author and the hypothetical reader. Unless you are Nick, Brenna, and Reed, hosts of a fanfiction podcast in which you are frequently venturing out into the world of AO3 and reading for fandoms that you have little to no knowledge in, I think for the most part, authors are assuming when they write a fic that the people reading it are going to be, if not super into the exact like pairing in every single trope, they're at least like familiar with the fandom. There is sort of this implicit understanding of reader familiarity with the world and the characters that you're playing with, and that really opens up more avenues to focus on the character and the romance and the plot. 
the authors don't have to do that same establishing work of introducing a new world, characters, and like making the reader care about them. Again, there is that implicit assumption of like, we are all here to write about our blurbs. And so if you're reading fan fiction, it's because you're like, I love this world. I love these characters. I want to see more of them. I want to be in this space. The reader is clicking into a fic with the understanding that they're already on board for the story that's being told. And that gives the author a lot more flexibility in terms of the stories that they want to write and what they're focusing on. So with this presumption of reader familiarity, it falls on the author to create new forms of narrative tension. Narrative tension is sort of what makes the world go round in terms of having an interesting story to consume. And if you're already familiar with the characters, with the canon, then you kind of need new things to grab the reader's attention and to kind of create this interest throughout the plot. We're going to touch on a few ways that this can be done, but there's plenty more out there. Um, one that we want to talk about today is sort of when there becomes this tension between the character in your head and the character that's on the page for the fan fiction. Um, so this might happen in an instance where maybe you're watching a show and sure, like the main characters, they're cool or whatever, but there's also this little guy off on the side who only has like five lines, but you're like him that's that's my little guy for sure and then you go and you write like a 200k character study about him there's going to be this natural tension between the five lines that he has in canon and the 200k of like internal character work that you have created <laughs> so this is something that's honestly very interesting to us in fan fiction and definitely a sort of space that a lot of fanfic writers end up playing around in even if it's not to that extreme of an extent Another way that we see this commonly executed is uh, where you're taking a pre-existing property and you're sort of introducing it as plot or setting or an AU, which allows an author to either execute or subvert the familiar plot beats of that other story. Um, so this doesn't have to necessarily be like a crossover. It can be, but it can also be something where maybe I'm taking the characters from Star Trek and I'm putting them in like a Mission Impossible AU. Maybe it's not even a Mission Impossible AU. Maybe it's just sort of a general spy AU. But like, if I'm saying it is Mission Impossible AU, then we have these familiar characters who are now in this sort of unfamiliar setting. Although, honestly, I think a lot of the things that happen in Mission Impossible are sort of well suited to our <laughs> cast and crew from Star Trek. So that's something where this kind of works, because then you're like, okay, well, they kind of already know what they're doing. So are we going to execute the same sort of plot points that Mission Impossible either has or like would do in an upcoming Mission Impossible movie? Or are we going to subvert them and hit some unexpected plot beats within the spy genre? Conversely, we can also encounter stories where tension can sometimes be removed because of tags. So, for example, if this uh, Star Trek Mission Impossible AU is tagged for major character death, then you're sort of bracing for something to happen in a way that you probably wouldn't be if you were either just like watching an episode of Star Trek that you hadn't seen or going into the theaters to watch a new Mission Impossible movie. Um, this definitely can also be subverted by authors, but it just introduces a different element than when you're consuming traditionally published or traditionally distributed media. Another genre fusion that we want to give a lot of attention to in this particular section is what we are calling romance plus. That can be romance plus speculative fiction, plus fantasy, plus horror. Lots of different other genres can be combined with romance. And by this, we do genuinely mean the romance genre because there are a lot of genres where romance plot lines happen, and that is not unusual. I'm thinking of like a lot of traditional fantasy stories where there is a romance plot line and it's hanging out underneath all of the fantasy elements, but there aren't necessarily romance genre elements the way that we often see in fanfiction. Because oftentimes when you're clicking into a fic on AO3, as the reader, especially if a pairing is tagged, you have an expectation of romance tropes that are going to show up in their path to getting together. So even if the romance is a secondary plotline, this expectation allows those romance tropes to integrate into other genres without interrogation. So if we're in Brenna's Spurk Mission Impossible AU, and we are approaching this really dramatic point in the story, the political machinations of evil, I was going to say demonic figures, that wouldn't make sense, uh, our villains, if you will are in full swing and they have to go undercover and do all this stuff and they check in at the hotel working together and the receptionist says, oh, I'm so sorry, uh, Mr. Spurk. Nope, <laughs> Mr. Spock and Kirk. But she goes, I'm so sorry. 
to the two of you lovely gentlemen, there's only one bed in this room that you booked. I don't know what else to tell you. As the reader, if you're watching Mission Impossible, you might be like, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) This is weird. I'm really interested in what's happening with the plot. Why are they like lying in bed next to each other and it's so tense and the lights are dim and one of them looks over the other's shoulder and is like, sorry, did I bump you? And the other one is like, oh, don't even worry about it. And you know, they like, like feel each other's heat through the blanket and they're like millimeters apart from touching at certain points of their bodies. That might not be your experience like at the movie theater. <laughs> In the fan fiction, you are here for it. You are not thinking that this is weird because the romantic arc of these two getting together sometimes even supersedes the plot arc and the plot elements that are going on in terms of your investment as a reader, especially because you're already interested in these two. So that's one way in which romance plus action adventure can really work in an author's favor if they want to give attention to both the romance and the action adventure tropes. We see this a lot also reflected in book trends these days. If you, like me, are on Book Talk and are Book Tonk, <laughs> are on Book Talk and you are witnessing these new creation of genre words in real time, you might be familiar with romanticy, which I feel like is all the rage lately romance and fantasy. We also see a lot of like dark romance or erotica where you're mixing genres. You've got these romance elements and you have something else happening. So, another fic example this is not Spurk, I'm sorry, but I'm imagining like a mafia AU where you have Mario, who's the head of the mafia, and he decides to take or kidnap Waluigi, who's on the opposite side. And he's like, you will be mine. And then he's off doing all of his mafia stuff. You get the drama of the mafia AU. You get the dark morals. People love this on AO3. So if you want to write this, go ahead. I feel like you would get clout. You don't even have to mention me, honestly. It's fine. Like, I'd actually I don't, prefer I don't need you to be you associated don't. with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you could. Um, and while Luigi gets a whole chapter dedicated to just like making friends with all the other characters, but there's also this tension happening. And later on, there's a chapter with like torture of Wario or something. Like, all of this weirdly makes sense, even if before that Wario torture scene, there's like a Mario Waluigi breakfast scene where they're like oh maybe we're not so different you and i i don't know just some thoughts from me so that is how we see kind of romance be folded into these other genres where it doesn't always feel like it might uh naturally fit outside of fan fiction we also see romance in quote-unquote bleaker genres like horror or bleaker canons Uh, I chose the example of Hannibal for this. I haven't seen Hannibal, but no one that I know would describe it, I think, as fluffy. So (laughs) I chose it for this (laughs) because I think it is um, a tough one and a rough one. And a lot of folks are writing fan fiction about it because there are these like weirdly romantic moments. So romance also in these particular canons and genres can do a lot of work. It can layer on to some of the points that this person is trying to make. It can also guarantee to its readers some kind of a happily ever after when the plot or genre alone are not able to. So if you're trying to lighten up a really difficult, painful, angsty canon, a lot of fake writers will turn to romance to do that for them. Is now the time to mention my favorite article on the internet, Critical Perspectives on Waluigi? Yes. What? (laughs) Yes, it is. Brenna, tell the people. What is this? Have you never read Critical Perspectives on Waluigi? No, I've never even heard of it. I have read it. (laughs) It's my favorite thing ever. Um, There's actually a few parts to this, um, all of which are excellent, although my very favorite is I, We, Waluigi, a postmodern analysis of Waluigi by Frank Ribéry. Um, (laughs) Let me just read you an excerpt. Yeah, please. No, please do. Waluigi is the ultimate example of the individual shaped by the signifier. Waluigi is a man seen only in mirror images, lost in a hall of mirrors. He is a reflection of a reflection of a reflection. You start with Mario, the wholesome all-Italian plumbing superman. You reflect him to create Luigi, the same thing but slightly less. You invert Mario to create Wario. Mario turns septic and libertarian. Then you reflect <laughs> the inversion and reflection. You, can, you create a being who can only exist in reference to others. Waluigi is the true nowhere man. Without the other characters he reflects, inverts, and parodies, he has no reason to exist. Waluigi's identity only comes from what and who he isn't. Without a wider frame of reference, he is nothing. He is not his own man. In a world where our identities are shaped by our warped relations 
chips to brands and commerce we're all waluigi so true this is incredible i know you could bring it back to like semiotics somehow (laughs) (laughs) it's like because you mentioned waluigi and then i was like yeah actually the like fraught relationship between mario and waluigi as like the initial (laughs) sort of creation of mario versus like (laughs) waluigi as like the inverse and parodied Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm so good i think that i think you could do so much with bringing it back to our panel (laughs) creating narrative tension yes (laughs) in the character study of waluigi in comparison to mario i think that would actually really hit i think it really could actually (laughs) take it away (laughs) fic writers Well, actually, Bren, I think that's a perfect segue to talk about um, one of the other genre fusions that we wanted to address in the panel, which is the melding of um, character study and speculative fiction. Because a thing that we see a lot in fic is using an existing sci-fi or fantasy property to tell a character-driven story in a familiar setting, which in doing so, it opens up room for lots of different types of personal dynamics. So for example, you could take an existing property, such as Star Trek, And you could take unfamiliar characters, such as Mario and Waluigi. And if you put them into the world of Star Trek, you are now opening up room to explore various types of dynamics between them that you wouldn't necessarily be able to explore within the Mario canon. Although... The Mario canon has a lot going on because you could be exploring like Mario and Waluigi in like a Super Mario Bros, but you could also be exploring their maybe antagonistic relationship in like Mario Tennis. But uh-huh. you put them in Star Trek, you now have another layer of a character uh-huh. study. Super Smash Bros. Super Smash Crossovers. Bros. Yeah. Especially because Waluigi is mirror verse Luigi. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically set up for Star Trek. Oh, anyway. True. <laughs> Um, once again, if anyone listening would like to write Mirrorverse, um, Waluigi and Mario in Star Trek, please feel free. Actually, this one I, this one I do want credit for. This one, please do tag in the (laughs) FitClick account for this one. Um, I want to see it. That being said, if you are not necessarily the most interested in exploring Nintendo franchise characters, um, and rather you are more just interested again in this genre fusion of character study and spec fic, you can do what we said of putting characters in sort of a familiar property but you can also do sort of the opposite of that and an example that came to mind for us was the fandom classic switch which we talked about in our fandom classic episode 64 um if you're not familiar with our fandom classic series if you're a newer listener to the pod it is sort of what it sounds like on the tin we pick a fic that we think is really seminal to a certain fandom or a ship um something that is Something that has withstood the test of time that really stands out among other fics within its general area to become what we consider a fandom classic. Um, and with Switch, it is technically speculative fiction or sci-fi, but it is so much more character and romance driven. It is a fic that follows the canon of the first Star Trek alternate original series movie. Um, it is Kirk Bones. We were very briefly straying away from our Spurkster agenda. We can, well, we can be Spurksters and also support Kirk Bones. We have two hands. We actually have more Bork. between the six, between the three of us. What'd you say? I said Bork. Bork. Well, yes, I guess. The reason that um, we wanted to bring up Switch as an example here is because, again, it is taking the existing canon of that movie and it's taking a sort of mystery of the week flavor canon and instead, it makes a character lit fic. If you did not listen to that episode or have not read that fic, it is 200,000, is over 200,000 words. That is really so much about Bones and who he is. It is about his family in Georgia. It's about his developing relationship to Kirk. The through line for that fic is so much more about the character than it is about the plot. And so that's another way that you can see sort of character study and speculative fiction coming together in a really unique way in fan fiction. Another thing that comes to mind in talking both about Switch and also just genre fusions in general and what fanfiction tends to pull from published literature is the idea of setting as its own character. Oftentimes in fic, if we go back to what Brenna was talking about with creating narrative tension um, and how you have to find sort of different ways to draw the reader in because they're already familiar with the characters or the canon, um, one way that you see that fairly often is setting setting developing over time within the work to get the reader sort of emotionally invested in that um again with switch uh bone spends a ton of time in georgia which is where he is from and it really very much feels not just like a place but as a character in its own right with its own relationship to bones and how it sort of shaped who he is 
So this brings us back around again to the question of sort of like, what are you developing if X or Y is already developed? Um, so here, like, what do you develop if character is already developed? You might be bringing in elements from other existing genres. This is also somewhere where I feel like we get to see what interests an author might have in their own life outside of fandom or fan fiction, um, which I think is really cool. You can kind of sometimes see what people might be reading or studying on their own that gets pulled in. Um, so like, for example, the sort of thought of setting as character is really something that we see roots of in gothic literature and horror. These are genres that you don't see a lot in fan fiction, but there's definitely still aspects of them getting pulled into fic and you can see many other examples of this as well. So to kind of close out our uh, section on genre mashups in fan fiction, I did want to pitch something really quickly. And this is, is ABO the ultimate mashup? Um, if you are listening to this podcast, you are most likely familiar with what ABO is, uh, alpha, beta, omega dynamics. If you aren't familiar, Google at your own risk. Um, I just want to give a quick shout out. Thank you to the original J2 shippers for giving us this. Even if I might not be the biggest fan personally, um, it is so important genuinely to the landscape of fan fiction. This is something that je went from being so incredibly niche to something that is not only across fandoms, but also in published literature and also like in advertising campaigns. Um, this is, I guess, a month ago now, but it was like a week prior to us officially doing this um, at Geek Girl Con. I was seeing advertisements for like NYX cosmetics that were like using ABO like tropes. Very, very trippy and dystopian, honestly. That's NYX cosmetics. Uh I was not responsible for this, just to be clear. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just yes, in yes, audio, sorry. it could be a little confusing. The, the brand <laughs> NYX, Thank you. Cosmetics, not Nicole's Cosmetics. Yeah. Um, <laughs> honestly, this is a subgenre that combines urban fantasy, science fiction, romance, erotica. It can delve into gender exploration, societal allegories and expectations, so much more. It really kind of is an ultimate sandbox experience, which I think is why it's something that kind of could only have come out of fan fiction and only have like grown and developed so much throughout fan fiction to then be picked up by things like published literature and beyond. Thank you so much, Brenna. So that was one pitch. I'm here with another Ficklets. It's time. Uh, so I am going to present our pitch for what we think fic as genre means and encompasses. So we do think that fan fiction can exist as a distinct genre, that it's possible to, because we do this a lot on the pod, look at a work of fan fiction and say, wow, this like felt really ficky. Like this was a lot like fic versus something else that was like, oh, this like didn't necessarily feel like fic, not as a judgment whatsoever, but there is some, there's something, there's some je ne sais quoi, except we are going to say what uh, about it <laughs> that makes it seem like it is in the fic genre solidly or maybe not so much. So I'm going to outline some of our components for what we think comprise fic genre. The first of these is that the romantic arc is primary or secondary, but it is rarely tertiary or absent. There's a strong romantic through line. You know who the characters are who are in this romance and you follow them through it. It's character-driven, which we talked about earlier. It is quote-unquote in-character, or at least makes a good faith effort to remain faithful to certain character and or plot footholds from original canon. Another way that you could say this is that the characters and or plot, like something about it, is familiar to the canon that the author is writing for. Uh, we argue that it uses tropes as a foundational storytelling element. I don't think anyone will argue with that. Um, a happily ever after is expected unless it's otherwise flagged in the tags or summary in some way. And often, this is the last component, it is comforting in some way or escapist. That we are going to fan fiction for something that is reminding us that the world is good oftentimes. Is this always true? Not necessarily. So we have that as like a corollary. We're testing that one out. But I think it does feel pretty consistent with what our experience is of reading something and going, man, that feels a lot like fic. We have referenced the Fandom Classic series already in this minisode. I'll reference it one more time. When we're looking at what makes something a fandom classic, what stands the test of time as a fic that is memorable, we think a lot of these do kind of fall uh, variably under fic genre. I'm remembering that we also did My Immortal, which I don't know um, meets these criteria <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but 
the one that stood out to all of us as we were putting this presentation together as being like our shining example of fan fiction genre is The Student Prince. So The Student Prince is a Merlin Arthur fic which we talked about in episode 34 a long time ago now, that fic hits this criteria pretty spot on. It's a university AU, it's kind of cozy, it is very much about Merlin and Arthur falling in love, we follow their character arcs, we're invested in them, we're invested in the side characters, and there are a ton of tropes packed in there, there is an expected and delivered happily ever after for these guys, and they are pretty recognizable, and it makes a lot of references to um, the original source material, even if it is an AU. So Nick, you might be saying, does that mean that all fics are automatically fic genre? No, not in our <laughs> professional opinion. Again, we are academics, we are librarians, we're booksellers, we have a lot of hats that we're wearing um, in this mini-sode, and all of that gives us, we think, the authority to say that no, not all fics are fic genre. Sort of in contrast to what Nick was just saying, often you will hear us on the pod say, this really felt like fic. You will also hear us say, this didn't really feel a lot like fic. There's a couple reasons for this. Sometimes it's just as simple as the fact that there are many things posted to AO3 or other fic archives that are just not fic. They could be meta, they could be fandom primers, um, it could be original work. And that's not to say that original work can't feel fic-like, but, you know, there's a range of things getting posted to fic archives, so not everything fits under fic genre. But more so, what we are thinking about with this is that many fics are just not concerned with adhering to that sort of archetypal fic reader or fic reader expectations. So something that came to mind, um, also a very recently discussed fic, is No Reservations Narnia, where Anthony Bourdain and his film crew go to Narnia. That is distinctly fan fiction, and it is a fan fiction that we all really enjoyed, but it hits almost none of the markers that Nick just laid out for sort of our pitch of fic genre. And as I mentioned much earlier in the minisode with this sort of being an imperfect science and imperfect language, it can be hard to categorize things sometimes because there are fics that do a lot to sort of break with traditional genres or tropes that still feel fic-like and there are some that don't. This is not something where every fic can neatly be categorized as fic genre or not fic genre. Sometimes it is just about what you feel in your heart. But I think if we use sort of the guiding tenets that Nick laid out above, that is what we are thinking of when we think of as classic fic genre TM. And to sort of highlight that, there are also published books that are not fic, but feel like fic genre. I think most people listening to this are probably aware it is becoming more and more prevalent, or at least more and more talked about, that many authors will write a fic on AO3 and then decide, hey, this is actually pretty good. Take it down, scrub the serial numbers off, um, you know change it up a little bit and publish that as a book. We are not talking about books that started as fic that are now published literature. We are talking about books that were always original works that just feel a lot like fic. Um, and ones that came to mind for us are Red, White, and Royal Blue, Winter's Orbit, and The Charm Offensive. Brief side note, if you are about to come into the Discord and be like, Red, White, and Royal Blue started as a fan fiction. No, it didn't. Ren and I have a lot of thoughts in this spinoff minisode panel. We will. <laughs> Yeah, don't like literally don't don't try us. <laughs> we have many thoughts. We we were there. Don't quote the old <laughs> magic to us or whatever the meme is. Yeah, truly. Um but something like Winter's Orbit was originally posted on AO3. It just was posted as an original work. So again, kind of a sort of gray space of what counts as fic genre or not fic genre, but you can sort of get the vibe of what feels very fic-like or fic-y, so to speak. So within the space of fic as a genre, there's also new subgenres and tropes that are being created all the time. Um, so you've got some hyper-specific things that maybe started off as tropes but are kind of subgenres within the fic genre now. So some things like hurt, comfort, and wump are two examples that we would use. Nick even mentioned hurt, comfort earlier as existing as sort of a subgenre. I think it definitely counts as one within fic genre for sure. And then you've got even more hyper-specific things that are really tropes within particular fandoms, but you never know if they might grow into more of a subgenre over time or might even be able to be considered a subgenre within a specific fandom. Um, so a few examples for this are things like Bleak Boy Band Bingo from K-Pop RPF, Tarsus 4 from Star Trek, and Avengers Tower Fic from Marvel. So once again, it's me here to talk about why Why does this matter? This is the question that I always love asking um, when we're talking about kind of anything in a sort of more academic lens. Um, we have a lot of reasons why we think this matters. 
a big one is that fic is more in the sort of public public conscious and like it's become more public knowledge over time. This has made the genre a lot more approachable and a lot more accessible. When something that was once contained to a really small community branches out to a much wider population, it becomes both helpful and honestly necessary to develop language to talk about it. Fanfiction has developed into its own distinguishable and recognizable entity. It's no longer just a small, super niche part of the internet. Um, it's no longer something that just your like nerdiest, nerdiest friend might know about. It's something that like maybe your uncle at Thanksgiving knows about. And not just if your uncle is like our uncle, who like probably does because our families keep talking about our fanfiction podcast. <laughs> um, like you, your uncle might like just be on ff.net. You never know. Um, <laughs> it's like a threat. Yeah, truly. <laughs> it's a threat and a promise. Mm-hmm. It's like those news segments that are like your kid could be, it's like your uncle could be on fanfiction.net. But it's to say, I think the term fanfiction is a lot more recognizable to a lot of people and they have some kind of understanding of what that means even if they've never like really delved into it or read or written it on their own. We've also, as both Nick and Reid were mentioning, we've seen how many authors have tra- either transitioned from writing fic into traditional publishing or they're doing both at the same time and how they're openly talking about either their past or present within fanfiction. Yeah. And really quick too, I think I've mentioned this even on the podcast before, but like if you're really new to fandom, I feel like it's hard to emphasize enough how much things have changed in a lot of ways. If you had told mm-hmm. like 14 or 15 year old me that I would be putting my at least first name and voice onto a fan fiction podcast and then distributing it through major avenues and like hoping people listen to it, she'd be so horrified, mortified, petrified, <laughs> concerned. <laughs> electrified oh probably not (laughs) i don't think so just like it did not feel like something i could ever talk about or be public about especially with people who like don't know me as my specific online persona and nothing else so it's just interesting to see that that change Um, and like brent said that happens a lot with authors too so i'll i'll bring us back around to one of our last points here on books and book talk and other book spaces, I'm sure, but BookTok is the one that I am most familiar with, for better or for worse. Um, so we are seeing a really, really big trend lately in book marketing of books being marketed exclusively by their tropes, or at least on certain posts, it's just their tropes. So you'll see a graphic that someone made that has all of the tropes on it around like an image of the character, title of the book, and the day it comes out. That is really, really similar to, like I was saying, an AO3 tags and summary page that you pull up if when you're looking for your pepino spaghetti fic so it's a little bit accessible in terms of trying to use this language that some people are going to understand but it also is challenging because the question is does this work if you're not already invested in the characters the setting etc So my uh, pessimist perspective says that this is publishing, capitalizing on the established shorthands of fandom, and not necessarily realizing that it's not quite as effective. Optimist me is like, I don't know, sometimes it's fun to see the tropes, uh, but I do also want to know like one thing about your character before I buy a book. So maybe that's actually just realist me. I don't know what optimist me would say. (laughs) I killed her years ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. Wow. Anyway, we also see that like wider trends and fake can reflect cultural attitudes around what kinds of stories we're seeking. So this, I think, is actually really important. Um, One of the reasons we talk about genre and subgenre, one of the reasons we talk about the patterns that we see in stories, we've been doing this podcast for over four years now. We see a lot of trends and we see, at least in certain fandoms, but sometimes across fandom spaces too, what people are reaching for, what they are moving towards, what they are wanting from one another. Um, It's not always the same thing. But everyone once in a while, we'll see a trend that seems to pop up. For my birthday episode this year, I talked about a fic, well, all of us talked about it, but I brought a fic to discuss called Hunters Seeking Solid Ground by AO3 Azuratilla. It's a fic for the untamed. It's like a post-canon coda. There are nightmares. There's a lot of hurt comfort. There's a lot of kind of 
trauma recovery elements to it. It is a very warm and very lovely fic that doesn't shy away from the impact of going through something incredibly difficult, but that does kind of promise the reader that you will be held through this difficult time, just as the main character is. And in the author's note of that story, the author said that they wrote it during the first months of lockdown, and that it was something that was very comforting to them, and that it really meant a lot to them to be able to share this story when they did. And so to me, that is such an interesting intersection of kind of cultural trends, cultural consciousness, cultural desires for certain things, like in this case, comfort and connection, and then what people are writing and sharing, how they're presenting it with one another, and being able to use some of the language that we've used and established here today, I think means that we're able to not only recognize that, but then convey it to one another, and then create even further connection. So I think that's really lovely. And to me, the greatest joy of fandom always is going to be taking part in shared community creation. So that at least for me is kind of my final, why does this matter? Tick in the box. I think that's going to do it for our panel turned mini-sode here. Thank you so much for listening. If you were someone who came to Geek Girl Con and then listened to this again, thank you extra. Um, it really was so cool and so delightful to be able to panel in person, to be able to talk to some existing ficlets and meet some new ones. Um, it was really fun right after the panel seeing a couple people pop into the Discord and being like, oh my god, hey, glad you had a good time. Despite our somewhat frantic late night vibes um, as academic students when we were creating this panel and the outline, we really had so much fun with it. We really had such a good time presenting. We have high hopes to come back to Geek Girl Con next year with a new panel. We won't do the same one again. <laughs> topic and subtopic in fanfiction. <laughs> But I think most importantly, um, more so than thanking anyone for making this happen, I hope that you all believe in our pitch that we have laid out for you today. I hope you agree with us about fic genre and how it exists. Um, and if you don't... Oh, it's fine if you don't agree. <laughs> I hope you still found this stimulating, though. Yeah, honestly, if you do have any questions or thoughts, please contribute them in the Discord, or you can always email us as well at fitclickpod at gmail.com. We absolutely love to hear from you. We got some really wonderful and thought-provoking questions and comments from people in person after the panel. So if you have any uh, after listening to this mini-sub, we would absolutely love to continue this discussion with you. If you'd also like to contact us about literally anything else that isn't this mini-sode, you can also find us on uh, Twitter, aka X, Ooh. barf, while it still exists. <laughs> um, you can also find us in our Discord or contact us via email. Um, we love it when you share this podcast, either online, by word of mouth, by writing out what the URL is on a piece of paper that you mail to a friend. At your own panel at a convention. Any way that you want to share it is great. Um, we absolutely love that. If you want to leave us a review, you can do so on any of the podcast sites that allow so. At this point, whenever you are listening to this, our Redbubble shop has been taken down. Um, but we do have plans for more merch in the future. Brenna made some very cute things for GeekGirlCon to hand out as freebies. And I'm sure those and other new merch will be going up at some point. We are working on it. Um, it's just also a busy time of year for everyone, understandably. But if you are interested in supporting FitClick financially, we do have a Ko-Fi at ko-fi.com slash FitClick, where you can just donate money to us um, that goes directly back into keeping this podcast running on podcasting websites. Speaking of it being a busy time of year, as you hopefully already know at this point, we are into rec exchange season. Beep, 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 beep. We hope that you are familiar with rec exchange, but if you are not, it is what it sounds like. Instead of writing a fic for another person, you sign up with fandoms that you both want to receive and recommend fanfiction for, and we will pair you with someone, and at the beginning of the year, you will get some lovely hand-curated recommendation for some fanfiction to enjoy. At this current moment, when this episode is airing, signups are open. They will be open until November 23rd, so make sure to sign up if you're interested. Every year, it's a ton of fun. We end up getting- Come join us. Lots and lots and lots of- Get your signups in. Signups here. <laughs> <laughs> Come and get them. Rec Exchange signups. They're free. <laughs>
That's another way if you'd like to promo the pod, if you'd like to just sort of like stand on a street corner, like outside of a business and just talk about rec exchange, we would highly encourage you to do so. Um, Or like share it on your socials. People don't have to participate in the podcast to like join us in this. Yeah. It's open to everybody. Yes. So yes, as mentioned, there are just under two weeks left to sign up. Um, So we would love if you come and joined us and did so. Our next episode will come out on November 24th, so please get excited for that. It is back to our standard format. Reed, what is your pick for that episode? My pick is They Will See Us Waving from Such Great Heists by an AO3 user whose name I am petrified to pronounce. Um, there is absolutely no way I don't sound clownish. Lor looked. Yes, I'm going to go with that for now. <laughs> this is for the fandom Ted Lasso. It is a Thieves and Heist AU. This was actually a fic recommended in our trick-or-treat spreadsheet by Ficklet M. I will talk more about that next episode, but I had so much fun with this one. Brenna, what is your fic? My pick for next week is La Petite Mort by Howling Moonrise. This is a little 4K fic that is a fantastic crossover between Dracula and Barbie. Uh, This was published in 2020, so it is pre-Barbie movie, um, but it's really fascinating and I'm excited to talk about it. Nick! What are you bringing? My pick for next episode is Honey and Wounds by Early Blooming Parentheses. This is a fic for the fandom Sherlock Holmes, Arthur Conan Doyle books, and the main pairings are Sherlock Holmes slash original main character and Sherlock Holmes slash John Watson. Ficlets, if I see you in our library and you are telling people that Red, White, and Royal Blue was originally based off of a fan fiction, I am going to trip you and I don't care if I get written up about it. Bye! Ficklets, if I see you in our library and you're telling people Red, White, and Rare Blue was written off of fan fiction, I'm going to make you read the original goddamn fan fiction and write a 200-page essay on it. Ficklets, wow. Bye! <laughs>